Hello, livestock friends, and welcome to this edition of Before the Bid. This is a podcast dedicated to the livestock sales industry where we go behind the scenes of the operation and speak straight to the sellers. We discuss topics about the important aspects of their operation, location, the people behind the prep work, and talk about some of the animals that will be offered to you, the prospective buyers. Hopefully, you've got your sale catalog close by. You might have to go look through that pile on your desk. But if not, then you're probably like me and driving down the road or busy with chores around the farm. And that's okay, too. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy this segment of Before the Bid. I'm your host, Andy Howell. On this segment of Before the Bid, I am very excited to uh, talk about a uh, new project that is uh, was just introduced to me uh, a couple days ago, and uh, it involves a organization that is very, very important to the livestock industry all around the nation and all animal industries. I am I am very excited to talk to a representative from Protect the Harvest and uh, the, all the things that they do, and we're going to talk about all the things that they do, and they have a special event coming up on Saturday, October the 5th, and we're going to talk about that uh, about that auction and that event. And today, I have caught up with and am very pleased to talk with the National Strategic Planner for Protect the Harvest, Mr. Dave Duquette. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to me today. And uh, tell us just a little you bit. Uh, tell us your role uh, in Protect the Harvest. Well, basically, my role is to kind of root out and find issues and people that we need to help out or, or issues we need to be involved with to, to, that are affecting agriculture or, you know, our way of life or our ability to produce or ability to uh, produce minerals, gas, oil, anything, anything to do with natural resources, the rangelands, um, agriculture as a whole. That's what we basically try to do and to protect rodeo. Uh, we, we go after, ro- you know, things in the animal world, whether it's your ownership of pets or your, or your ability to go rodeo or ride horses. If these, some of these groups had their way, we wouldn't be doing any of that. And, and you help find those and, and that's great. Why do we, why do we need this? Let's, let's actually take a step back just a little bit. Tell us a little bit of the history of, of protect the harvest. Why did it start? Why do we have it? Uh, and, and, um, lead us up to a little bit of, of where we are today. Well, back in 2010, there was a proposition proposed in, in, uh, Missouri called proposition B. And basically what it would have done is made anything that could live within 15 feet of your house was going to be a considered a pet. And that would have been anybody that has cattle in a pasture around their house or anything, horses or whatever. And it, it was basically going to throw a whole monkey wrench into the, into the system of animal ownership. And one of Forrest's ranch hands, because Forrest has a big ranch there in Missouri, and one of the ranch hands was approached by someone who wanted to put up some signs along the highway frontage that he has about anti-proposition B. And when Forrest, when he called Forrest, talked to him about it, he goes, holy moly, that's, uh, that's the uh, Humane Society of the United States doing that. And he knew all about that. And so he, he went into it pretty pretty late in the game to help out. Didn't know anything about it. Like most people, most producers, most people, you know, back then, especially back around 2010 in the mid 2000s to 2010, not a whole lot of people knew anything about what these animal rights groups were doing or what they were trying to their game plan. And they have a very methodical game plan, but they, so Forrest got involved. And when he got involved, it was, it was polling up into the seventies going to pass. And by the time it was voted on, they forced to dumped quarter million dollars or more into commercials and ads and things like that and started protect the harvest and put that whole group together. And he hired a campaign organization 
to run it. And when he did that, it got it down to where it was just under 51% that it passed by. Well, then he got the state government to, you know, see the light on it and they gutted it so far or so bad that it was really ineffective anyway, before it ever got signed into law. And so basically that was the first big win for protect the harvest in their first outing. And I came on a couple years later, I knew about it. I had talked to Forrest, got to know him. And once, once I started getting to know him, we became close right away. And I came to work for him full time in 2013. So, but I was already running an organization that was trying to do stuff for the horse industry and save the horse industry. And so I was already out there in the, in this world fighting back. Of course, of course we are talking about Forrest Lucas and uh, starting this with his, his ranch out there uh, in Missouri. He's got a, a Simmental ranch and, uh, what does protect the harvest and, and what can protect the harvest do a, around the nation for animal uh, animal productionists people that people that produce animals whether they're uh, using them uh, for for business or or using them for pleasure what all are, are I know there's a there's a very large amount but but what are some of the main things that protect the harvest does to help our industry the livestock industry well, we have uh, three different entities, and we so we run the full gamut of the nonprofit world. We we have a C3, which is our educational group, which we are, I believe, unparalleled in in getting the word out to people, and and getting them educated on what's going on. Um, we our website. We have a great website. We have a lot of content on there and articles that we write and almost everything we put out. I mean, we will, you know, put out other articles that are good articles for that someone else has written or come through another media form. But we most everything we do is original content, and we have a great great group of communication staff that writes these articles and researches and we are very very uh, methodical and work very hard to make sure in researching that we are not telling any kind of a lie at all there's one thing one thing about Forrest Lucas he hates a liar so we have to we can't put out anything that isn't factual and database so we put out everything we do put out is very factual and you can take it to the bank. And, and we've become over in the last three years, since 2016, about mid 2016, we uh, have got a new communications crew, went away from the, the uh, campaign group that started protect the harvest. And we went into, we hired our basically hired people that were professionals in this world, not only, are they professionals in the media world, but they're professionals in, in agriculture or in some form of another or another. We have a, on our communications crew, we have a fifth generation uh, Nevada rancher. We have a fourth generation uh, Kansas rancher. Uh, we have two people from the veterinary medical world that are, that are part of the communications crew. We have an Idaho fifth generation Idaho rancher that's part of it. Uh, we just have a we have a very great crew that understands not only the fight the the fight or what these animal rights and these environmental groups are doing, but they understand it from the point of view of they've been you know affected by it personally. So we have a very strong history behind our group to to be able to tell the truth and be out there, you know, pushing all these initiatives or pushing back on these, these folks. And one of the things that people don't realize is that these environmental groups and the animal rights groups are all tied together. That's one of the things we've been doing. If you go to our website, it's just protecttheharvest.com under our news and articles, you can go through and read things about all the different, what we call NGOs, which are non-governmental organizations that are out there 
say, Center for Biological Diversity or Wild Earth Guardians or Western Watersheds, you know, those those groups are out there trying to stop us from, one, using our natural resources, two, grazing and using anything anything out there, public lands for grazing. And back where you're at, it's not as big a deal to, you know, to think about public lands, but from the seven Western United States are all, I mean, I think on average, it's over 50% of the Western United States is, is federally owned ground that needs to be grazed. Otherwise we have tremendous fire problems. And, and that's, uh, and part of the cattle industry out here is basically, you know, driven by your ability to have a permit to graze on public land. And there's a, we don't we don't have that wonderful grass and weather you guys have back east in, or in the midwest to be able to keep the grass tall and and feed you know five head on an acre you gotta you gotta have uh you know 250 acres to feed one head out here you know in a lot of these spots so you know and we deal a lot on the wild horse issue you know the wild horses are as a horseman lifelong horseman it's it's pretty sickening to go out in the desert and video a horse that a wild horse that wouldn't come within 400 yards of you if it was healthy and it comes up to you, walks right up to you and your camera crew and tries to eat your shirt or drink out of a water bottle because they're starving or dying of, you know, from dehydration. It's pretty, it's a pretty sickening thing. And and livestock owners, we as livestock owners all know that and, and you can't not have empathy for those animals, but they're, they're like the, the the prairie dogs used to be, you know, they're, they're so overrun out here that they're devastating all the, not only the land that the ranchers would use and the grazing, but they're devastating everything that the elk and the deer and antelope and every other bit of wildlife out here uses. Right. Right. Tell us, uh, can continue on with the, the entities that, uh, that we talked about just a little bit before oh, we, yeah. we got on here. Yeah, so we have our C3, which educates everybody. And then we have a C4 legislative fund, which uh, basically is a uh, an organization where you you are able to go lobby or, or deal with – a C3 is not allowed to do but 20% of their business in political stuff. So the C4, our legislative fund, is allowed to go – work on bills, help either stop them or promote bills, that kind of stuff, and do legislative work. And then we also have a a C4 super PAC, which a super PAC is a political action group that, that basically where you see all the, all the commercials that say, you know, I approve this message by politicians. That's one that they did themselves. You see another one where the same politician you know, or, or member or someone running for Congress is, uh, you know, it doesn't say they're, they don't say that on it. That means a super PAC probably paid for that. And they're not allowed to work with the politician, but agriculture does not have an ag friendly uh, super PAC except for protect the harvest. We're the only ones that are out there trying to, Help for one save in some some instances save the relationships or their their seat by going in and doing commercials for them you know someone who's in trouble in a in a race or promoting someone who is an ag friendly politician agriculture doesn't have that uh, and the reason is the pork guys don't don't get together and have the same issues the egg producers do or the cattle producers or the the wheat farmers or the soybean farmers and corn farmers they all have different agendas and they don't work together protect the harvest is the only organization out there with a super PAC that is designed specifically to help out ag friendly candidates or politicians that is very that's very exciting i feel uh, just to to be the total uh take care of all the entities uh, that's great right 
can you tell me? Can you tell me? I'm sure there's hundreds of success stories that um, that Protect the Harvest has had, but but can you tell us uh, just a few uh, of those, and and maybe something that that came from from some of those three entities that you're talking about? Well, one of the uh, I have a we have a lot of success, success stories, yes, um, but one of my my favorite and the one that's the most dear to my heart is the the pardon of the Hammonds, the ranchers from Oregon that were imprisoned as domestic terrorists for starting a backfire that burned up 129 acres of with it, with three fires, three different fires, which is they started a backfire. There was, there was a lightning strike or something along that lines that started a fire on rangeland coming towards their place. They started back burn to stop it. And it burned with three fires, it burned a total of 129 acres of BLM ground. The the government back then was trying to get these guys and get their ranch and get them off of their ranch. And they basically filed charges under the Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act against these guys, which is not what that act was designed for. It was after the Oklahoma City bombing, they made that, that law or that act to go after anybody that burned or or blew up or did anything there uh, on federal ground. Well, it, because it was federal ground and they ch- were charged under that act, even though what they did was not even punishable by a fine under BLM's own statutes, they were charged as domestic terrorists and they admitted to starting those fires because it was legal. But because under that, that act, they were, it was considered burning federal ground. They were charged as terrorists and went to jail for five years. And there's a lot more. It's a very long and sordid story, but basically, you know, with it, with them having done two and a half years of that time, we were able to get the president through the vice president, um, you know, to issue them a full pardon. And what was, what was really interesting for me is, you know, a pardon, I've never worked on a pardon before and, and you don't go for a pardon, you go for a commutation. So just to commute the sentence, basically the, if they just commuted the sentences, they just, they would have got out of jail and it just would have meant they got out of jail early. They were still felons. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have been able to carry a gun. They wouldn't have been able to go to one piece of property on a tractor and get, jump in a truck with somebody with a, a rifle or a pistol in it, you know, out on, on, and on Western rangelands, you know, you, you don't, you don't not carry a gun with you out there because there's coyotes and everything else out there that, you know, you're constantly trying to mitigate the effects of the predators right. on your place. And, and so we really stressed to the president that he, they needed full pardons. And when we were able to lay out the whole scenario to him, he was very thankful and very proud to be able to, you know, be the person to pardon these two ranchers, the father and son, you know, the father was 70, 76, 74 years old when he went, went to jail. And, and, uh, the son was in his, you know, early fifties and they would have, you know, been in, and they were the two that ran the ranch. I mean, their family, their, his kids, the grandson and the granddaughters and, the and, Stephen Hammond's wife had to run that big ranch all on their own be, while they were in jail. And it was a, it was a sickening thing to see happen. And, you know, that was the, that was the catalyst for the whole Malher refuge standoff that the guy got shot out here, you know, and, hmm. and, uh, but the Hammonds, and, and that was an interesting thing for me too. And I, I want everybody to understand that the Hammonds, had no part and parcel. We're no part and parcel to that standoff. Everybody equated, especially in DC, they equated the Hammonds and the Bundys together. They they were not part of it. They didn't want to be part of it. They didn't want it to happen. And they were no part and parcel to that. And the Bundys kind of took that over. I I call it kind of hijacked their situation and they had a horrible outcome on that. And that was, that was probably the hardest thing for me to change people's minds in DC was, about that there was no 
the, the Hammonds didn't want any part of that. The Hammonds always paid their grazing fees. They always went by the letter of the law, and they were just getting forced off their ranch. And if they can do it to somebody like them, they were just one of the people that stood up and fought. There's a lot of ranchers in the West that, that have been run off or run out of business by the federal government prior to this administration that, you know, would have probably could have done more to fight back, but they either didn't have the wherewithal or they didn't have the desire or the heart to do it. And they just lost their places. There's countless amounts of ranchers in the West, especially in Nevada and Southern Oregon that were just basically run off their ranches and put out of business by the BLM cutting back their grazing permits and all the different things they've done. And that's, that's one thing great about this administration. They're changing that. And they're listening. So that's, that's a great thing. And, and we have a lot of, uh, uh, ability. We have a lot of ability to get to those folks and access to those folks. And they've been very, uh, very available, you know, to us to talk about issues like that. Right. And and there's a lot of, a lot of neat things happening on the Western rangelands for sure. And you guys that protect the harvest plan to keep fighting for that and, and doing those things for livestock producers. Exactly. Exactly. We do. We're not, we're not. And the, the great thing, like, like I told you earlier, the, the great thing about what protect the harvest is, is I worked for the horse industry on the toughest issues there are for the horse industry for years. And, there was a lot of people behind me pushing me, but nobody would step out in front. And I know some of the wealthiest people in this country that are in the horse world, but they would never put their name on anything. They would never stand up and fight. And I thought, man, if these people would just stand up, that people would pay attention in Washington, DC, but they wouldn't do it for fear of, of losing business or, you know, how, what it would do to their business or whatever, however they were looking at it. And when Forrest Lucas came on, I I remember sitting in my chair in my office when I found out who he was and what he was doing and his desire. And after talking to him about his desire and his strength, as far as wanting to go after these people and, and put his name on it. And I just had a huge sigh of relief that somebody of Forrest Lucas's, you know, stature in the world and status was willing to go out there and do this stuff for all of us, for the rest of us and put his name on. He didn't need to get in. It's just like, you know, people say with Trump that he didn't need to be the president. He didn't need to go do that because he, he had a pretty dang good life prior to stepping up and getting beat up every day. Right. And Forrest Lucas is the same way. He, he has a pretty damn, damn good life and a, and a, and a had no reason to, worry about everybody else but he does right he, he worries about our food supply he grew up very poor and he he worries about our food supply and poor people being able to eat and buy food economically and ranchers and farmers to be able to produce so it's one of those one of those very selfless things you know and it's funny because i had people when i first started with forest I had people always, a lot of times, not always, but uh, several people have told me over the years that, you know, what's in it for Forrest? Because he's got to be making money off this somehow. And I just laugh and I go, you know what? If you if you guys knew what he puts into it and what it takes for him to, to run this and and be a part of this and work on it, you, you, would, you wouldn't say something so ridiculous because he is out there putting money into this and spending his resources you know when we fly around to places he it costs him money every time we do that right. and, uh, and and it's not cheap and people need to look at that that forest forest is very selflessly trying to protect all of animal agriculture our like i said our right to own pets our ability to to produce our ability to hunt fish and and as I said earlier, our, our trajectory at Protect the Harvest has gone, since 2016, has gone almost straight up. And 
our ability to affect change, our ability to slow things down that these animal rights groups are doing because they've, one thing they've done is we've blocked them at the federal level. They, they can't get anything passed at the federal level anymore. So then they started to go to the state level. We started blocking everything at the state level. Well, now they're going down to the county level. The county level supervisors, uh, county commissioners, di- different things like that. And they're going to try, they're trying to do it at the county level within a state to get it to become normal within a state like Missouri. They just had a big deal where they were going to, I mean, basically a law they were trying to get passed at the county commissioner level was going to make Forrest Lucas Ranch, where he's got, you know, 4,500 head of cattle, he he would not be able to own that or have those cattle anymore because he wouldn't have enough land on 16,000 acres to do it. And they're, they're basically going after all the confined animal feeding operations, but the way they had it written, it would have taken out every ranch that had over 25, 30 head of cattle. Right. It would have taken them out, made it illegal for them to have those animals on their place. And we had a, we put out a big all call with our social media and put out a newsletter. And we have the ability to, we have quarter million people on our Facebook page. We can put out, we reach millions every month because we sponsor and promote ads, but our, our Facebook has a quarter million people on it, which we, we also field every comment. And that's, you know, on average, it's about 11,000 a month Wow, that we feel comments wise and, and moderate. And we don't allow people to just come on our page and start running their mouths and saying evil stuff. And, right. you know, we, we get rid of those folks, but we also, you know, comment <clears throat> when people have a question, we comment to them and that we, we are thanked constantly for having a level head and a, and a good voice for agriculture. And, but uh, with our leverage there, we can target an area all the way down to, you know, a city through, through social media. And we got in, in Missouri, it was in Forest home County of his ranch. We got, there was 400 people at the County commissioner's meeting to oppose this. And it got tabled and didn't even get a vote Wow! by the end of it. And it was, it was going to pass. And because we were able to help them out, uh, you know, and, and do that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of activism that just warms my heart because people got out there and actually stood up and did something. They actually went to the, to the commissioner's meeting and took back their right to, you know, protected their right to have their livestock in their, their whole scenario. There's, you know, there's countless times that that's happened. That kind of stuff has happened. That's just a very recent one. Mm-hmm. But we do, we we stay on top of most things. And one thing that we really enjoy is when people call us or <clears throat> email us or call our our office line and leave a message or email us with a, something that's going on. Because a lot of times we won't know about it until somebody alerts us that it's going on. Right. And once... Once we're alerted, we can say, hey, this is what you need to do or what we can help you with. And we do it that way where people, we, we embolden people, we give them the right tools to, do, to take care of it, and we help them through the process or we help them through social media doing that stuff. So, you know, we, we've done a, we have a, we have a great, like I said, a great team. I, I couldn't be more proud of our team and what we do and what we're able to get done and how hard they work. These people work an average 16 hours a day doing this stuff. And most of them, you know, would have a different life if they weren't doing this, but they feel so strongly about counteracting these folks and doing something that they, they just, they work so hard and they're so dedicated. It's, unbelievable is there a special way that if if that does happen in their area does happen in their county does happen in their town is there a special way that they need to get a hold of you guys to to help uh, bring protect the harvest in well if they don't know one of us 
personally, then, you know, one of our group personally, we have, you know, we, we don't have an office where everybody sits down in an office. We have an office that takes calls and emails and all that stuff and we, and gets the mail, but everybody works remotely. But if you don't, you can go on protect the harvest Facebook page, or you can go on to our website and, you know, submit an email on our website. That's where a lot of our stuff comes from the website emails or our email, our actual info at protecttheharvest.com email. We get a lot of requests right there or people, you know, uh, just letting us know what's going on. Whistleblowers. That's a, that's a common word today right now in the, in the news. So, so we got, you know, we have a lot of people that basically are whistleblowers about things that are going on. And I don't care if it's federal government, state government, or, or it's these animal rights groups or the environmental groups, they are who, whatever's going on, there's bad apples in every bit of it. So we want to know if there's something going on, we want to know about it because we have ways to, in contacts to be able to affect change for just about everything. Right. And, you you know, we, we, we actually filed a lawsuit Oh, two years ago, um, against the state of California and the state of uh, Massachusetts on Proposition 12 and uh, Question 3 in Massachusetts. And basically, it was a, a lawsuit. We had 13 states' attorneys generals on each one of them that fi- actually filed the lawsuits. But it was they, they want to stop. Say, say, like in California, they, they did the cage-free egg deal. Mm-hmm. Well, California, California consumes 9 billion eggs a year. And, but they only produced back in the heyday when they didn't have to go all cage free, they produced 2 billion of their own eggs and bought 7 billion from 29 other States. Wow. Well, the humane society of the United States went in there and, and did a proposition that basically said, and then they passed another law two years later that said, if you don't produce the California standards, you can't ship to California, which is against the interstate commerce clause and the dormant commerce clause. Mm-hmm. So that's what our lawsuit was about. And Massachusetts with their question three did the same thing. Only they upped the ante and did it from uh, on veal, veal crates and, and gestation crates and veal huts and gestation crates <clears throat> along with the eggs. So they, they basically, which Massachusetts produces hardly a freckle of any food, you know, and they were going to make it so that no other state could ship anything into their state. Wow. And, you know, so that's, those are things that we fight back on that nobody else is fighting back on. No, nobody else. You know, we brought other organizations in, in, into it, Mm -hmm. but we're the ones that initiated all of that. And put up the money to to get the the whole thing started and got it going and you know that that's the kind of things we do we're we're just re- and we've one of the other big things we've been doing here of late is we started in on exposing the NGOs the non governmental organizations and we have been doing deep dives on some of these groups like Western Watersheds Project and the Wild Earth Guardians and. Center for Biological Diversity and several others that we're doing exposés on them that everybody should read because I had it confirmed by a, a congressman member that what I was thinking was reality is reality, which is these environmental groups that are trying to keep everybody off of our, of, well, for one, when the last administration was creating these giant, you know, uh, areas where you couldn't these monuments that you couldn't go into millions of acres you couldn't go into them they'd even block the roads out here in the west they'd block the roads with trees and big rocks so the fire trucks couldn't even get up there if there was a fire forest fire firefighters couldn't even get up there so they block all this stuff off millions of acres and they were stopping all of this from any kind of mineral wood oil, gas, grazing, any kind of production of anything because 
these other countries, and it's back. We've got it all the way down to, you know, Russia, between Russia and George Soros backing these organizations. And we found all that, and we're exposing all that. But they're doing it be, because they want to be able to sell their minerals and their all of their stuff. So one great thing about this president and this administration is that they've been opening all that back up. And they've been dealing with that. And it's a it's a great relief. They're getting a they're getting beat up hard in the media over it. And the people that he's putting in place that are good at doing all this stuff are getting beat up. Right. But they're you know, we're opening things back up. That's why we're so prosperous right now. That's why so many things are starting to happen again. Right. And why we're the number one oil producer and, and gas producer in the country and the world now. Right. You know, so we we have vast resources here that will make us wealthy, but these other uh, governments have wanted to take us down, and that's one of the ways they're doing it. People buy people buy into this stuff constantly. <laughs> you know, Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia, he's, he's the biggest eco-terrorist there is. And I mean, he's a multi-billionaire that fund that puts a bunch of money into all these organizations. Mm -hmm. And it's a when you get into the weeds on this stuff, it is very scary to see what what's going on. And the great thing about us is that we are Forrest Lucas affords us the ability to go tell this story where nobody has told these stories before. Right. Nobody's put this stuff out because it's. It's, uh, you know, things that they're, they're afraid to go against these big organizations. And, and to that point, people tell me all the time, they say, or they ask me, well, how do you fight back against these groups that have millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that they get donated to them every year? How do you fight back? You know, it's a losing battle. And I say, and my answer to that is it takes nothing to tell the truth. Right. But it takes everything. It takes lots and lots of money to build a lie. Right. So if you can tell, if you're telling the truth, it doesn't take hardly anything to prove it and, you know, financially to, to do it. But if you're building a lie, it takes a lot of money to go out there and promote it. And you got to, you got to do it for a long time and build, make it normal. And then that's when it finally, they start to take over. And that's where, that's where we've been the stopgap. And now all these big organizations are starting to call us a, a K Street think tank, which is which they think is a burn on us because a K Street in D.C. is where all the, you know, Heritage Foundation and all those big think tanks are. Mm -hmm. And so they're calling us a K Street think tank and they think they're burning us. But the, the reality is we're we're sitting back going, yeah, we finally made it. Right. You know, they're, they're, they they think we're they think we're this big Washington D.C. lobby group, and we're not. We're just right. out here telling the truth. Right, right, and it doesn't, and, as you said, it doesn't great, cost anything. Right, and and the great the great thing about us too is that we're we're dedicated to this, where farmers and ranchers and people like that are not. We work too hard. I've I mean I spent my whole life in that. And, you know, growing up and, and you work too hard to pay attention to politics. Hell, I didn't pay attention to politics at all until I was 40, 42 years old when I started working on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's one of those things where we work so hard. It's so hard to make a living in agriculture or horse training or any of that stuff, cattle industry. Whatever it is, it, you work so hard that you don't have time to be in the middle of politics constantly. So we do. That's that's my my plea to everybody out there is that we are the ones that are doing this. Look at us, see what we're doing because what we're doing is is exceptional in the way that we're protecting all of them, so they don't have to worry about it. Right. And with that, you know, we need. If we want to protect the harvest, if everybody out there wants to protect the harvest to be the the organization that it's it's even bigger than it is, we need their support. Right. So that's that's one of the reasons we're having the the call is about the Protect the Harvest Gala 
Right. And, you know, we're, it's a fundraiser for Protect the Harvest. Uh, you know, Forrest Lucas shouldn't have to be the one out there doing all this for everybody, you know, financially. And we, we get a lot of donors. We have a lot of donors. Mm-hmm. And we have a, we get a lot of donations, but it's nowhere near what we could. I mean, if we if we were getting, you know, into the 10 million or 20 million kind of range a year in donations, we would be, you know, a phenomenal force to deal with against these groups. Right. And and it, it's not not from a salary standpoint, but from a effectiveness. You know, we spend a lot of money just on Facebook promoting Facebook stuff so that people, they get spread around. So more people see it. Like I said, we reach millions every month with what we do. Right. And as you We're, said, very accessible. Uh, I'm, I'm right here on the website right now. Uh, go to the, go to protect the hit the about, go down to the contacts and, and the contact goes right in there to the office. If you've got any, any issues or anything that, that needs to be addressed. Right. And, and, and yep, and like you know, the one one of our one of our good really good wins was up there in North Dakota. A guy by the name of Gary Dassinger had a horse ranch. He'd been raising horses and cattle his whole life, generations worth. And they came in with this century code up there, and for some reason everybody let it pass, and they were able off a off a guy a disgruntled worker employee that he had to fire that lived in a different state, called in a, a complaint about his horses, which his horses had, there was, I mean, there was, I'm a horseman, so there wasn't a pimple or anything wrong on any of these horses. Mm-hmm. And called it in, they went and confiscated all his horses, and he was going to have to pay all this money. And, and I mean, it was, he was going to go to jail. And we fought back, and we helped him, and he, and he was able to beat it. And that consequently, they changed that whole deal that had passed to where it's no longer the way it was when when they passed it. So we're, you know, on the century code there, and it, it's uh, <clears throat> it's amazing what you can get done if you just try. Right, right. And we were we and and Gary Gary Dassinger up there would be, you know, he would be the first one to stand up and champion protect the harvest. Right. And we also we also we also made movies. We've made a bunch of movies about these things that are Hollywood movies. I mean, they they were made in Hollywood. They were we put big stars in them. Uh, the Dog Lovers one that was based on a true story. Daniel Christensen in South Dakota had a, you know, they came his his family been raising hunting dogs, short hairs and wire hairs for over a hundred years, and they infiltrated. They put a they they put a plant in there working for him and they took bad videos that they they staged themselves and they went in and confiscated all of his dogs and that was a huge story several years ago and we we made a movie about that whole deal that called and it, like I said that one's called the dog lover and it's uh, turned out real good but I'll tell you what it's an eye an eye opener for people when they see what can happen. Right, and it's it's great that there's an organization like you guys that that puts those things out there and and funds those things. And Dave, let's let's get to this weekend, uh, the October the fifth. There is a large gala. It's called the Denim and Diamonds Gala, and it is in Carmel, Indiana, and it is at the uh, Lucas Mansion. And it is yeah, Lucas Estate, yep. The estate, yes. And it is a it is yep. a it is a large uh to do. And explain just a little bit about about what that is and, and what that is going for and, and we'll get into some items and, and some other details here in just a little bit. But but why have this uh Denim and Diamonds Gala? Well it's basically a fundraiser and uh uh people get to know each other from all around the country. Um we had a very diverse group last year that showed up uh, at the first one and this is the second annual and it's just a great time um people get to come and meet forest and meet the you know there's all kinds of dignitaries that show up or or people of you know position and influence that show up there's um people from all all walks of life especially in the ranching and the and the farming world that show up at this 
Uh, it's a it's a really good eye opener. We we produce a video each year of things that we're doing. So this year the video is probably it's probably a 25 minute video of all the different things we got going on and what we're what we're up to. And it's you know I've had a lot of people. <clears throat> that showed up at the first one that had no idea what Protect the Harvest was doing, or they had no idea that we we were doing all the things that we told them about there, mm-hmm. and they were very surprised and very supportive afterwards. But we we raised quite a bit of money at the last one. I think it was close to half a million dollars at the last one, and then um, this year through that's through sponsors, donors, and and auction items that we had there, and we have some great supporters business-wise out there that support us. And we have uh, several guns that are going to be up for auction. Um, we got a proof research carbon fiber barrel uh, deer rifle that's going to be selling, uh, which is about a, if you go on their website and buy it, it's about a $3,200 gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have, uh, oh, there's a, there's a couple pistols, I think, and a couple black rifles, some other, some other stuff that people are just so excited about what we're, what we represent and what we're doing that they wanted to donate. We have several hunts actually that are going to be selling. There's a, there's an African safari hunt and I think it's for five and four or five animals. I think, I don't remember exactly what it, what it is there, but then there's a, right. a bird hunt and, and a couple deer hunts, you know, different and, and just some, some neat stuff that we get donated by, by folks who are very um, appreciative and sympathetic to what we're getting done. Right. The, the, I'm, I'm looking at these items now, the African safari hunt, uh, one hunter and one observer, seven days and six nights, all inclusive. Uh, so you get to hunt for five days at the, the African safari, um, the uh, trophy whitetail hunt, and uh, two people, VIP package meals, five days, six nights, Lodging and game care on that hunt that's for sale uh, will be in the in the live auction. Uh, also, a hunting trip at Legends Ranch, um, four days and nights, all inclusive suite, uh, limousine transportation to and from the airport. Uh, I guess they probably won't take you out to the deer stands, but they'll get you to and from the airport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gourmet meals. Uh, also uh, in the in the live auction, Palomino painting uh, and painted hats by Sammy Joe Bird. Uh, so those yeah. those will also Part be of our, up for auction. We sponsor one of the things we do is sponsor the INFR, the Indian National Finals Rodeo, mm-hmm. and we have some really those are all uh, you know Native American type stuff that are is you don't find it anywhere else. So. It's it's pretty tough to get a hold of that kind of stuff. Right. We also have uh, uh, four tickets for the last two days of the Pendleton Roundup, and with a hotel room, you know, it's accommodations there. So they get they get to, at which the hotel rooms are probably worth more than the tickets to Pendleton <laughs> Roundup, but it's because it's it about a half a million people descend on every year for the Pendleton roundup for the week on the, the, the city of Pendleton. So hotel rooms are hard to get there and they're, they're sold out. Actually the hotel rooms are, the gal told me at the hotel there that they were sold out in 14 minutes after the final, uh, they, they don't sell the next year's rooms or let you reserve them until after the final performance is over that year. Mm-hmm. So 14 minutes after that, they were sold out. Wow. Wow. So very, very uh, hard ticket to get. Or very hard rooms to yep. get, I guess we should say. And, yeah, and if anybody hasn't heard of the Pendleton Roundup, I mean, that's the oldest rodeo in the country, and it's the it's on a grass. It's on grass. It's uh, actually the high school football field in the, during football season, and it's uh, really – a once in a lifetime kind of experience to go see the Pendleton Roundup. Right, right. Well, no, those are the uh, those are some of the live uh, auction items, and uh, I do want to mention that uh, that Dwayne Stevens 
he is uh, auctioneer from Illinois, and he is going to uh, be the auctioneer for those live items. Also, I believe he's going to have working with him uh, uh, Lauren Wilson and Kenny Tor. So uh, that'll be a great group of of auctioneers and ringmen for that, and and so uh, going to be a going to be a great event for that. And also, there are. Uh, let me let me go into Dave. We can bid online if we can't make it to the to the gala and we still want to bid online. How is it that that we can do that? Well, uh, there's uh, an online bidding uh, website that you go sign up through, and it's called Q to Go. T Q. It's capital Q T E G O. And it'll have the, there'll be a, a link to that coming up. Probably, we'll probably, I'm sure we'll have it on our website. I don't see it as of right now, but we'll have a link to that on our website under the events, and we'll have it uh, available to so people can see it and get online and bid. And it should have all the. Hopefully, we'll by the end of the week we'll have all of the stuff listed for it so people can bid online. Right, and they can go to Q2Go, uh, the the whole thing, Q2Go.net, uh, forward slash Q-Link, forward slash Protect the Harvest, and that should get you there. I'll right. see if I can post that on some of those things where this goes out as well, and, and people can can do that. Do we just have just have live items, Dave? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, last year we had – that's all we did last year. And I think that's all we're doing this year, to be honest. I, I'm, uh, I'm not involved. I've, I have to deal with the day-to-day events and protect the harvest. And I, I didn't get into all the minutia of the gala, so to speak, but I'm headed over there Wednesday and I'll know all that stuff by the end of the day, Wednesday, but we're, we're, uh, what we did last year was several of the hunts and things like that. The higher end items sold at the live auction, and several, there was hundreds of small items like, you know, General Tire had donated a set of tires. Mm-hmm. So you could go bid on those and somebody got a, a set of tires for a really reasonable price last year because I guess nobody realized there was a set of tires getting, right. <laughs> you know, not too many people did. Right. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot of neat stuff that'll be getting auctioned off and uh, it'll be really neat neat scenario and then you know watch for our our post gala we're going to do a bunch of uh we're we're actually going to do a bunch of interviews with several of the people that are coming Mm -hmm. and you know we have uh governor christy gnome of south dakota is coming there's several other uh high profile people that are coming to the gala and we're going to do interviews with all them and she's She's actually one of our biggest champions and and uh, is very, very interested in everything we do, protect the harvest. Great. So well, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I do want to. Uh, I do want to say I'm I'm looking at a, an email that you guys had sent, and and there are going to be a lot of silent auction items uh, to go along with those with those larger ones, uh, different things uh, that that will be in there. Metal flag art. Um, uh, Amish quilts also in there. There's a pheasant hunt also listed in that uh, in that silent auction item list. So, uh, right. Dave, can people still donate uh, uh, auction items if if they would like to? Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I think probably it would need to come fairly quick, but I mean they could do it within the next couple of days. You know, by Wednesday, Thursday, we could still put it in and get it get it on. You know, as far as get everything set up mm-hmm. for them and, and their donation for them. And it, and it is a 501c3. So anything they donate is a, you know, they get a cash value basically for it on a donation. So great. Well, that's great. Yeah. We are talking, uh, the denim and diamonds gala 2019. It is Saturday, October 5th, uh, 2019 at the Lucas estate in Carmel, Indiana. And, uh, Dave, what, about what time is that an, an evening event? Correct. Yeah, it's it's the the uh, it starts at five thirty with a, a VIP deal, and then goes to six, starts at six thirty for the general admission, and then 
um, goes till it'll go till ten o'clock. Right, and different different ways you can do that. If you go to p eight or p t h event dot com. That has everything for the second annual Protect the Harvest Denim and Diamonds Gala. And uh, there's selections up at the top. You can donate different things for the uh, auction. You can uh, just donate uh, to Protect the Harvest. Also, there's a place where you can get tickets, registration uh, tab there. You can click on it, and it will have that registration information for you. Uh, something for everyone and, and every level of donator there. Uh, on that uh, registration tab right so yep and you know we we love uh one thing we need is we need a lot of uh a lot of smaller donors mm -hmm. i mean it, it, it don't when people don't want to donate you know they don't have to be a a big money donor the reoccurring 50 or 100 dollar a month ones are great they help out a bunch and you can know that your your money's being well spent. We don't we don't uh, you know spend a bunch of money on on uh, people's salaries and things like that. And it's a protect the harvest is a very well run and well managed organization that doesn't have any kind of you know a lot of people get worried about the nonprofits because there's been so many over the years that are showing corruption in them and things like that. And we we don't have even a freckle of that kind of stuff going on because we're, all of our money is spent on initiatives that we're dealing with. So, and we spend a lot, probably more than we take in. So we're <laughs> we need help. Right, right. Good thing we we've got Forrest, we've got Forrest Lucas behind that and and uh, very giving and um and and very passionate about about the livestock industry and, and the whole agriculture sector. And, and I do want to say one thing here before we close out. I am now, I now live in uh, the county that, that Forrest Lucas, um, my understanding is, is where he got his start. And, and uh, Dave, there's not a lot of silver spoons around here. So uh, just to, to reiterate no. on that coming, coming from, um, coming from a basic a basic background, um, they said he was just a hardworking guy that that uh, had had a vision and, and started things and and uh, just keeps growing it and and that is well, part of why we have protect the harvest. Yeah, one of the things I I love to one of the things I love to tell about Forrest is is uh, you know he's never borrowed a dime to build Lucas Oil and he pays cash for everything. So and he and he's he still maintains that way. He probably couldn't go down to the bank and get a credit card in his own name just because he doesn't, unless they knew him, you know, because he doesn't have credit that way. But he, uh, he's a hardworking guy and he's the only, uh, privately held company that has his name on an NFL stadium. Right. So that's a, that, that's something. And, and it's been the number one stadium for five years now, I think. So five or six years. Right. So it's been rated the number one stadium. So Forrest is very, uh, he understands business and he understands how to do it the right way. And, and cash is always king. So he, he takes care of everything that way. He done it the right way. Came from nothing and, and is where he's at. Right. And if you haven't been to the Indianapolis to Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, what a what a place it is! I go up there for the National FFA convention, so I'll be going up here uh, towards the end of the month. So what a what a place that is! And and uh, yeah, very, and that, very I mean that's a that's a that's a whole other thing in a, in our program is we're we're doing things to educate the youth, just like the animal rights groups are trying to do to educate the youth and stop them. We're we're actually have initiatives where we're we're doing the same types of things where we're going and putting together programs for the youth to because our youth is our future so we have to educate them in the proper direction to work hard and understand agriculture you're exactly right exactly right well dave dave duquette the national strategic planner for protect the harvest I want to thank you for taking time with me today and and discussing all the things that that protect the harvest does for the whole agriculture industry and and also uh, want to wish you good luck and and help promote that second annual protect the harvest 
Denim and Diamonds Gala on 2019, Saturday, October 5th. It is at the Lucas Estate in Carmel, Indiana, and so we want to invite those that they would like to donate, they would like to register for that, uh, that they can do that, and uh, and hopefully, and, and I'm sure it's going to be another great event there uh, for the, the Denim and Diamonds Gala. Well, I sure appreciate it, Andy. Well, I th- I appreciate you for being on before the bid and and uh, talking about these things. So, uh, again, uh, Dave Duquette, National Strategic Planner for Protect the Harvest. Again, want to just thank him for all of his time for visiting with us here on before the bid. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Before the Bid. For more information and to learn more about upcoming podcasts and sales, visit us at beforethebid.podbeam.com or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram pages. For information on being a guest on Before the Bid, please email us at beforethebid at gmail.com or one of our social media pages. Remember, that's beforethebid at gmail.com. Happy sales to you, and we will talk to you next time on Before the Bid.